At Wildwood Community Church, we are for following Jesus together to the glory of God. We're for the church, for the community, for the nations, and for the next generation. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. Well, good morning. Hey, it's great to see all of you here with us, and I know we have many more who are joining us online this morning, and so just welcome. We're so excited to be able to gather today, and today is a very special day at Wildwood. Three Sundays a year, we have Baptism Sundays, when we have an opportunity for those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus to come and tell us about it, that we might celebrate with them, and we might share together in this beautiful symbol of water baptism. And this Sunday, we have 10 individuals. Uh, There were four in the first service at 9 o'clock. We have three more here at 1015, and then three more again at 1130, who have come into a relationship with Jesus, and we are going to be celebrating God's faithfulness and love and mercy in their lives uh, together as a church family. But as I think about just gathering to, to celebrate this together today, I'm reminded that we are right on the edge of another season where we're going to be celebrating some other things. Anybody know what season is just around the corner? You got a hand. What, what do you think? Thanksgiving and Christmas. That's exactly right. We are headed towards Thanksgiving on Thursday and then Christmas. And, and I don't know about y'all, when you think about Christmas time being that close, just around the corner, how many of you have already done some decorating? Is it beginning to look a little bit like Christmas around your house? Uh, yeah, it is around some, and, and it's going to begin to look a little bit like Christmas around Wildwood uh, this afternoon. We're going to have a party, and we would love to have you come and to help us decorate our facility for Christmas at 4 o'clock this afternoon. But we also have a number of different ways that we're going to be celebrating Christmas together as a church family in this entire season. The place where you can go to find out info about Wildwood's Christmas celebrations is our website, wildwoodchurch.org slash Christmas. So you'll find on there details about our Christmas Eve service and how you can even RSVP this year for one of those services as we have just a need for some extra space. And so for our planning's sake, we've got the opportunity to respond in that way. On our website, we also have a daily devotional uh, that is coming out, and you can access that both to download or where to find it. You can find it all on our website there. Um, But also, you'll find out information about Mission Norman and the outreach that we have with them coming up this season. So if you want to know, your one-stop shop for Christmas at Wildwood is to go to wildwoodchurch.org slash Christmas, and we would love to have you connect with us, not just this morning, but this entire season. Now, today we are going to be celebrating. We're going to be celebrating something together. And when I say celebrate, and I know that we are in 2020, what do you think about? Celebrate in 2020. What comes to your mind? Well, for many of us, what comes to our minds when we think of celebrate in 2020, we think of words like cancel or postpone or different right? That's, that's what we think about this year because so many celebrations have been different. You know, as a pastor, I get to come alongside a number of different families at different moments to celebrate with them. Uh, and even in my own family, the celebrations have looked differently. Back at the beginning of the pandemic, there was a couple that was set to get married in May. And they decided to postpone the big celebration and party of their wedding, but they still were ready to get married. And so they got married on their lunch break right here with just a couple of us present. Just a little different this year. 
And we think about just the, the celebrations that, that you've had. Maybe graduation is one of those celebrations. You know, my niece graduated high school this year. Normally that would have been us going and being present and celebrating in person, but this year we watched it on a screen. I think about celebrations like birthdays. Even those have been different this year. For my birthday this year, there actually, my birthday's in August, there was actually a, a thunder game on my birthday, which never is supposed to happen. But I got to go be a virtual fan on my birthday to the Thunder game. And if, you've, if you had the experience of doing that, know that it's, it's not all that great. I watched the Thunder game on a screen that was about that big and was buffering the whole time, right? It's just a challenge. The celebrations that we have are just a little different this year. And even as I say this, this week is Thanksgiving and your family's Thanksgiving might look a little different this year. You might be wondering, is it okay for us to get together with grandma and grandpa and mom, dad, whatever it is, right? This is just a year where our celebrations look a little different. But here's the thing. This morning as we gather in this room, we are gathering to celebrate. And this is a celebration that is not being canceled. It's not being postponed. It's not being delayed. But we are gathering together as a church family today to celebrate something so significant. You know what we're celebrating today? Baptisms. That's right. In the midst of baptisms, we're celebrating the grace and the love and the faithfulness of our God demonstrated in the lives of our people. And so I cannot wait for us to experience this together. But you know, when I think about us celebrating uh, together new faith in Christ, you know, that's not something that is new to us. We didn't sit around in a staff meeting several weeks ago and go, how do we think of something to celebrate? Well, I don't want to do that. No, this has been ongoing, Right. From the very beginning, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus started his church, he instructed us to celebrate when people came to faith in Christ. And so for 2,000 years, followers of Jesus have done this, and that included the very first church. And there's an account in Scripture that we're going to look at today about the Apostle Paul celebrating the faith of some very young Christians in the town of Thessalonica. And we see this celebration talked about for us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 to 13. So we're going to look at those verses together this morning. But before we look at those seven verses or so, I want to place it inside some context. See, the Apostle Paul was a missionary. He was traveling from town to town around the Mediterranean Sea, and everywhere he would go, he would invite people to follow Christ. And he would talk about their need for a Savior and how Jesus had met that need. And they had an opportunity to not only have their eternity secured, but also to be on mission with him in that very day and age. And so Paul is going from city to city. He went to places like Philippi and Berea and Corinth. But one of the cities that Paul went to 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 talk about Jesus was the city of Thessalonica. And when Paul showed up there, he preached the gospel and there was a response. People were beginning to come and to place their faith in Christ. But the leaders of that city were not very happy. And so they began to persecute Paul and the other followers of Jesus who had begun to follow him in that city. One leader of the early church was this guy named Jason in that city. And they extorted money out of him just to keep Paul alive. And then Paul and his party snuck out in the middle of the night and headed to another city. Eventually, Paul winds up in Corinth. And when he's in Corinth, he is curious about how the Thessalonians are doing. 
How had they continued in their faith? Had they abandoned their faith or had they remained strong? He was concerned about them. And so he had sent a friend to go and to check on it. And his friend, Timothy, after visiting with the Thessalonians, comes back to Paul in Corinth to provide an update on how they are doing. And Paul reflects on that update in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 to 13. So I want to read those verses for us, and then we'll make a couple of observations today before we celebrate water baptism together. Paul writes to the Thessalonians, and he says this. He says, but now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all of our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God. As we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts, blameless in holiness, before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Now, friends, in these few verses today, we're going to see a couple of things. The first thing we're going to see is this. We are to celebrate the faith of others. We're to celebrate the faith of others. Now, we see this in the first few verses, but it's it's helpful for us to, to remember the context of what Paul was feeling as he was waiting for Timothy to come back and to give him the report. What Paul was feeling was, verse 7 tells us, distress and affliction. He was going through some hard times, and it's a healthy question for us to ask, what was making Paul so distressed in that moment? Why was he feeling afflicted? Well, the reason why is because of everything that had happened to him on this trip, this second missionary journey of Paul. And we see this in the book of Acts described in chapter 16 and following, because a number of things had happened to Paul. First of all, he began this trip with a sharp division with his good friend Barnabas over who was going to go on the trip. And so he begins with kind of this relational conflict. And then after that, as they're moving through what is modern-day Turkey, there was some confusion over where they should go. Paul thought they should go north, and the Spirit of God forbid that in some way. He thought they should go south, and, and that didn't work either. And so eventually they just keep moving west until God makes it clear that they are to take the gospel on into Europe. And so not only was this sharp division, but also there was some confusion over the direction that they were to travel. When they get to Europe... They arrive in the city of Philippi, and while with this last fall we've been looking at Paul's letter to the Philippians, but we were reminded at that time that when Paul went to the town of Philippi that he was beaten and imprisoned while he was there. After he gets out of jail there in Philippi, he moves on to the town of Thessalonica, and when he's in Thessalonica, things get so sideways that they have to escape under darkness in the middle of the night. And not only did he, they run out, of town, run out of town in the middle of the night, but also those who had connected with him, this guy Jason that I mentioned earlier, they were experiencing some hardship and some persecution. 
He ends up in the town of Berea, but in Berea, the group that Paul was traveling with splits, and some of his closest colleagues and allies go in one direction, and Paul goes in another. He ends up in the town of Athens, where he's surrounded by people who are worshiping these fake and foreign gods. And so eventually, he ends up in the city of Corinth. Now, when Paul gets to Corinth, he reflects on that experience in the letter that he wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3. And he says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Now, that verse maybe is familiar to you. It's often quoted, but why was Paul in weakness and in fear and in much trembling? Well, because of the confusion and the beatings and the imprisonments and being run out of town and separated from his friends. When Paul shows up in Corinth, he's not coming in in a triumphant parade. He's coming in dragging a bit as he arrives in that town. And so the question that we should ask is, how is it that Paul, the apostle, is encouraged in that moment? Because I'm guessing that this morning, some of you feel like you did not show up in a parade today, but you showed up crawling your way into this room. How is it that we might be encouraged as Paul was encouraged in this moment? Well, we see in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 what Paul was encouraged by. You know what he was encouraged by? The faith of the Thessalonians. He was encouraged by the faith of the Thessalonians. It's fascinating to see this mentioned again and again. In verse 6, he talks about their faith and love. In verse 7, he says, For this reason, brothers, in all of our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. Verse 8, For now we live if we are standing fast in the Lord. Paul says, I have a new life about me today. Not because of something Paul had done, but because of the faith in the lives of the Thessalonians. It was amazingly encouraging to the apostle Paul. Friends, as we think about the the implications of this, it's staggering for us to imagine the apostle Paul, the guy that wrote half of the New Testament, the guy that God used to take the gospel to places it had never gone before, that guy, that veteran, That apostle, he was encouraged by the faith of brand new Christians. It's what gave him new life. It's what put the pep back in his step. It's what encouraged him when he was in fear and in much trembling. It was the faith of the Thessalonians. And friends, as we think about that for us today, we need to be reminded of this because Paul went from distress and affliction to verse 9 tells us joy and thanksgiving. How is it that that happened? It happened, friends, because of the report of the faith of others. And friends, this morning, we need to be reminded of that because we're going to hear the story of the faith of others. And as we hear it, may we be encouraged as well. Tony Evans says this. He says, if we believe all by ourselves, we will not believe for long. If we believe all by ourselves, we will not believe for long. But together, the encouragement to continue on in the Lord is strong and is significant. Friends, as we gather today, may we be encouraged as we celebrate the faith of others. Now, what is it about the faith of others that actually has an impact on our lives? 
Well, one of the things that happens through the faith of others, I believe, is that we are reminded that God is at work. You know, when we think of just our lives, when we live in isolation, we can have moments where we feel like God has grown cold, can't we? Because we're not experiencing his answer to our prayers the way that we want We don't have somebody in our particular family that has trusted Jesus in the last month to celebrate. But, oh, friends, when we come together as a big group, guess what? We're reminded that God is at work. And though we might have moments that feel cold, there is a warmth in our assembly. And though our family might not have seen someone trust Christ in the last month, our church family certainly has. And we can gather and we can celebrate and we can be encouraged that God is at work today, right here among us. I get an amen to that? Friends, one of the things that happens is we're reminded that God is at work as we hear the story of the faith of others. A second thing, though, that we think about is we're reminded not just that God is at work, but also we're reminded of our own salvation. We're reminded of our own salvation. As, As each individual is baptized today, they will tell us the story of how they came to faith in Christ. And as we hear their story, it will remind us of our story. How there was a point in our lives where we were lost and we became found in Christ. There was the the moment where we became convicted of our sin and we trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. And our lives and our eternity were changed. And this morning as we hear these stories, it reminds us of that change in our life that we can again be thankful to the Lord for what he has done. But friends, it goes even beyond that. Because every time we have a baptism, it sets a line down. And it says that we are saved not just because we're taking breath on the planet. Something has to happen. There must be a point in our lives, each of us, where we come to understand our need for a Savior and God's provision of that Savior in Christ. You'll hear the story of of three in this service who have trusted in Him. And even if you have not yet trusted in Christ, may their testimony be a reminder to you of the work that needs to happen in your life. It could happen even this morning that you could trust in Christ for the forgiveness of your sin. Friends, as we gather today, we're reminded that God is at work. We're reminded of our own salvation, either what has happened in the past or what needs to happen even today. But the third thing that we're reminded of is we're reminded that there's hope. We're reminded that there's hope. Friends, these stories are stories of uh, an eternity that was headed in one direction that was altered by the grace of God. May that be an encouragement to you who might be experiencing a situation that feels like it's headed south when you want it to go north, that there is hope that God can work and change that situation. Friends, today as we gather, may each and every one of us be encouraged as we celebrate the faith of others. If you don't get excited about hearing the stories of what God has done and celebrating His grace this morning, then I'm wondering if you got a pulse today. Not only, though, in this passage do we see that we are called to celebrate the faith of others, but also we see that we are to continue, we're to continue to grow in faith and in love. To continue to grow in faith and in love. Now, we see that throughout these verses. In verse 6, we, we see those two categories mentioned, and, and it's as if Paul is saying, if, if If Paul is looking for signs of a disciple, if Paul is looking for signs that someone is genuinely following Christ, what's he looking for? What he's looking for, friends, 
is the same thing that you and I should be looking for. A growing faith in God and a growing love for others. Not one or the other, but both. Somebody who is following Jesus will have their their vision of God continually getting larger and larger and believing him more and more over time as they get to know him better and better. And the same thing is true of our love. The more that we know Christ, the more that we follow him, our relationships, not just vertically but horizontally, our relationships with one another are transformed in different ways as we learn more of what it looks like for us to love another. But what's fascinating to me about these verses is there are hints inside of these verses that the faith and love that is the mark of a believer is not stagnant, it is not dead, but it is actually growing, abounding, and increasing. In other words, baptism does not mark the end of somebody's spiritual journey, it's the beginning of their spiritual journey, at least the celebration of the beginning of their spiritual journey. Because at this point, they know enough about God to understand that they are a sinner and they need forgiveness. But beyond that, there are great truths about God that they will continue to grow in their understanding of throughout the rest of their lives, that they might trust him more and more. And right now that they are a loving group of people, many of you have, been, have experienced the love of those who will be baptized today, but their love is not at its pinnacle today. But God will continue to grow the development of their love and expression for others from this day forward. And we see evidence of that throughout these verses. In verse 10, we see an indication that their faith is not complete or not, not finished yet. In what Paul says, he says, I long to be with you, to see you face to face, that I might supply what is lacking in your faith. In other words, their faith was not complete. Their faith would develop over time. And not only would their faith develop, but so also their love would continue to grow and increase. That's why Paul prays for them along those lines. And in verse 12, he says, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. Friends, the people who are baptized today, they are not coming up here saying, I am finished, though the work of Christ on the cross was completed for them. But God is not finished with them. They're not saying, I am finished. They're saying, I am following Jesus. They're not saying, I'm perfect. They're saying, I'm in the process of being perfected by God. This is not the end, but this is the beginning. And so I I say that to those who are being baptized today. I just want to encourage you all. Your lives are just beginning in the Lord. They're just beginning. We're so encouraged by the faith that we see in you today, but know that that faith will grow and develop, and we cannot wait to see that happen and the transformation happen in your lives in the days ahead. But not only that, but your love will continue to grow and increase. And there are people that God wants to love through you that you've not even met yet, but that lie in front of you. And we can't wait to see what the Lord will do in your lives in the days ahead. But for all of us, just know that God is not done with us either. We continue to grow in faith and in love. And in fact, God has a role for each of us to play in the development of not only those who are being baptized, but all of us here in the church family. How is it that their faith was completed, verse 10? Through Paul 
ministering to them. In the same way, you and I have the privilege of interacting as a church family to help complete the faith of others because God is growing us through that process. And not only do we serve in that way, but also we have the opportunity to pray for this development, as Paul did. He says, night and day, I, he was praying for them. And he was praying that their love would increase and that their experience of holiness would increase. As a church family, that we would not just read these verses, but we would actually hit our knees and pray for those who God is raising up today. Friends, as a church family, we celebrate their faith, but we also know that God is continuing to grow their faith and their love, just as He is ours. And I want us to actually, before we have our time of of baptisms, um, I want us to actually pray for them. And so we will do that in just a moment. But I want to focus now on baptism, because that's where we're headed today. What is baptism? Well, friends, baptism is a celebration of new life in Christ. Baptism doesn't create new life in Christ. It's a celebration of new life in Christ. In other words, each of these individuals are not saved when they get into the water today. They were saved when they trusted Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins. But today we celebrate them coming to Christ through the waters of baptism. And the waters of baptism are are such a great symbol for this because, first of all, it's water. How many of you use water to clean yourselves? Sadly, not everyone raised your hand. Yikes. But here's the thing. Water Water is a cleansing agent, right? And so Jesus picks a symbol that's a cleansing agent to be a picture of our connection to him. Because in Christ, our sins are cleansed. They're forgiven. But not only do we use water for this moment, but but also with the water, we take people and we, we lay them down into the water and submerge them under the water and then bring them back up. Beginning of our service today, Abe read for us Romans chapter 6, where it talks about those who've been baptized into Christ Jesus are connected both with his death, his burial, and also his resurrection. That's pictured here in this water. There's a picture of someone being connected to the death of Christ. He died on the cross for their sins, so their sins are forgiven. Then we bring them back up, a reminder that just as Jesus was raised from the dead, so too they have a hope of a newness of life. And so Jesus gave this amazing symbol that Christians for 2,000 years have been practicing as a celebration of new life in Christ. And each individual who is being baptized today are not being baptized just because they've hit a certain age or because their parents made a decision, but they're being baptized today because they have placed their personal faith and trust in Christ. That's why at Wildwood, when we have baptisms, we hear their stories before they're baptized. But this morning, friends, we have the privilege of celebrating the baptisms of three in this service. In this time, I want to have those who are being baptized in this service to, to go ahead and stand. We have Logan Wise and Zach Sheriff and Malia Saratakos. And so just thank you so much for, you guys can continue to stand um, because I want to be able for us to, to, to pray for you. And so as we think about just their faith that they have, have demonstrated and that we're going to be celebrating today, I want us to pray as a church family for them. And I want us to pray according to what we've seen in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. We're going to be praying for their faith to continue to grow. 
And we're going to be praying that their love may continue to grow. And we're going to pray that their lives may grow in their expression of holiness. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you just a moment. And in your bulletin on the way in, their names were listed there. You can use that as a guide as well to remember the names of those that are being baptized today. You can look at those, but also we have these prompts. And I want you just silently in your chairs to be thinking and praying for these individuals in this way, and then I will come and pray over them in just a moment. Father God, we are so thankful today for Logan and Zach and Malia. We're so thankful for what you have done to pursue them and to invite them into a relationship with yourself. And we are encouraged by just their faith today. And Father, we thank you for them. And we pray, Father, that they would just be individuals who continue to grow in their faith in knowledge of who you are, that they would trust you more and more as the days go on in the years and months ahead. And Lord, we also want to pray that their love for others would increase, that you would use them to share the love of Christ with people in this city and all over the world, that they would be difference makers for Jesus. And Father, we also just want to pray that you would just guide them in their practice of holiness and their daily walk with you, that you would work through them and in them in a big way. Father, we are so thankful for them, and we are thankful for the opportunity that we have now to hear their stories and to celebrate their faith in Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.